say? What do you say? What do you say? You little brat. You have never thanked me. I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're keeping score at home, we're going to have four different holidays in today's message. So, everybody know what that first one was? Groundhog Day. Right. We're going to jump all over today. But today we're going to give thanks because it's important to give thanks. It's great to have a day set aside where we're reminded to be thankful. We're reminded what it means to have gratitude, which was the title of that last song. Which, by the way, that was really good. I don't know if you caught Uh as a musician, uh, there are some, I mean, man, Isaac was playing some chords at the end. I don't know if you caught those. They were subtle. Those are not written. That's just him messing around with some really cool chords and Israel on the drums. I mean, it was, that's good stuff. Everybody else was, was not terrible either, but um, yeah. <laughs> I just, whenever I hear a chord, I'm like, that's not one you normally play. Just like there's a part of my brain that takes me back to college and music theory and all that kind of stuff. So nice job, Isaac. That was really good. Mm. So we're thankful. But if we're really honest, let's face it, Christmas begins on November 1st. Am I right? It's true. I mean, if you think about the way that our society functions in life, Christmas actually begins the day after Halloween. And here's how I know. Let's just do a quick survey. And you don't have to, this is not to shame anybody. There's nothing wrong with what I'm about to ask. Nor do you really have to answer. This is just optional all play. All right? Who has decorated for Christmas already? Right. Who's already listened to Christmas music? Oh, my goodness sakes. (laughs) Who's watched a Christmas movie already? Bonus points if that movie was Die Hard. I will argue to my grave that the hot dog is a sandwich and Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So, here's the yeah. Who has already finished their Christmas shopping? Is anybody up? There's a few of you. Wow. Those are your Type A folks <laughs> that probably started in July because the Fourth of July starts the downward turn towards Christmas anyway. So, but is it any wonder that Thanksgiving gets lost? Or it sneaks up on you. The week of, you're like, oh my goodness, this is a short week. We get to have food this week. How amazing is that? We have a lot of days, don't we, that remind us of things too? I mean, if we're really being honest about holidays, holidays can get lost because every single day has something attached to it. Did you know that tomorrow is National Flossing Day? But it's not alone. So tomorrow is also Native American Heritage Day, National Parfait Day. Why? I don't know. Tomorrow is, this, these are the people that have not finished their Christmas shopping. For them, they celebrate tomorrow as Buy Nothing Day. Or maybe you have finished and so you don't have to buy anything tomorrow. It's tomorrow is Maze Day, M-A-I-Z-E, Maze Day. It's also International Systems Engineer Day. It's good that they get one. I mean, there's all kinds of holidays that are attached to every single day. And isn't it funny, like, somebody will post this on one of the social media channels. Today is National Donut Day. Go have a donut. Today is National Taco Day. Go have a taco. We're inundated with days. And holidays get swept up into this fervor of celebrating something 
every single day. Birthdays, anniversaries, you name it. There's probably something that we can celebrate every single day of the year. And it can get exhausting trying to keep track of all of this. So insert Thanksgiving, a day where we get a holiday to set aside to focus on what is most important, right? Food and football. I mean, there's going to be a lot of honesty today as we talk about being thankful. This day has been reduced to two things, in my opinion. Now, you can talk about a lot of different things, but really, food and football. Faith isn't in there as much anymore. Food and football. And I bet you even have some of your favorite foods, and maybe some of those foods are things you don't eat any other day of the year. Because let's face it, December 22nd does not scream cranberry jello out of a can. Or stuffing. How many times are you sitting around going, you know what, we really haven't had stuffing in a while. We should have stuffing tonight for dinner on like the middle of July. But there's a lot of foods we can't live without on days like today. For me, it's deviled eggs. I've made no secret about it. If you've been around Hope at all, and I've been around here a while, deviled eggs are my jam. Absolutely love them. There's probably something in there like me being a follower of Jesus, like we've got to have a little bit of fun someone, you know, once in a while and have a little devil involved in some way, shape, or form. But deviled eggs are my jam. Last year we didn't have them. And I was distraught that they were not available at our Thanksgiving feast. Okay, right now, just on the count of three, shout out your food for today. What's your favorite food? Ready? One, two, three. Awesome. I didn't hear a lot of deviled eggs. I will pray for you. <laughs> but we really need, I think, focus on the why we have a day like today. Because to get the, to the root of it, we've got to get to the why. It started out as a way to give thanks for God providing provision for the people that were here. And for new friendships that they made. And it, surround, it was surrounded in faith that we had a God that provided and somewhere along the line, we lost the point of Thanksgiving. It began to be about other things. Whether it's turning on the parade as soon as it starts in the morning. And make no mistake, I love large inflatable animals going down crowded streets in New York City. But there are a lot of things that crowd out why it is we're gathering on a day like today. Why it is you chose to come to a 10 a.m. service on a Thanksgiving before maybe you go across the hall and feast or to family somewhere else. We miss the points when we allow the things of this world to get in the way of being thankful. And our holidays then miss their significance. And Thanksgiving isn't alone. Name any holiday and I think you'd find a little bit of things or a few a lot of things maybe even that get in the way of the point that we're trying to celebrate. And I'm not saying that Thanksgiving is hugely attached to faith. But I think the premise of giving thanks is something that we miss quite often in our faith life. I mean, maybe you say thanks at Thanksgiving. Maybe it's the thing you're dreading already when you sit down at the table. Now go around the circle. Everybody say something they're thankful for. And Jacob had us do this at the beginning of the service day. I think it's a good exercise to talk about things we are thankful for. 
But when we reduce it to like this thing we have to do, are we really being thankful? I mean, how many times like that clip in Groundhog Day, you tell your kids if you're a parent or maybe you've been told this before as a kid, say thank you, and you're like, thank you. And there's a lot of sincerity in that. I mean, you could hear it dripping from my, my voice, couldn't you? When it becomes rote, R-O-T, when it becomes something we just do, going through the motions, are we really truly getting or grasping the idea of thankfulness? How do we begin to prioritize it again in our lives? Because on Thanksgiving, we truly have the opportunity, a day fully set aside that is focused on one thing, being thankful. Truly thankful. So how do you start? If that's not where you are right now, how do you start to cultivate a posture of thankfulness, if you will? Let's go back to that football thing for a moment. For many of you, that football is a thing on a day like today. I'm not saying it shouldn't be. My brother-in-law is a huge Cowboys fan. So today, the world will shut down at 3 p.m. so that he can be a part of what the Cowboys are up to today. And when you watch certain things on TV, maybe it's a a television show you've got or a movie you want to watch or something like that, we get ourselves into a posture to enjoy it. Can you imagine being uncomfortable and watching football or being uncomfortable and watching a movie or being uncomfortable and watching a TV show? There'd be no fun in that. We want to put ourselves in a posture to be able to really experience that thing. Thankfulness is no different. Developing a posture of thankfulness begins by putting ourselves in a place where we can understand the roots of being thankful. And it starts right in the Psalms. In Psalm 100 especially, I chose this for today because it starts right off by acknowledging in verse 3 that the Lord is God. Foundational stuff. Developing a posture of thankfulness begins by acknowledging that the Lord is God. That God is the Lord of this day. Sure, Thanksgiving began centuries after Jesus. But the root of being thankful goes back to acknowledging that we have a God that is worthy of our thanks. Our God that is up to amazing things. Our God that has provided the wonderful kitchen staff today who are over there right now prepping A bunch of different things for those of you that are sticking around. And they take that job super seriously. And I'm thankful for them. But developing that posture of thankfulness, we we have to start with God, don't we? We have to begin by acknowledging that we have a God that loves us. That we have a God that wants good things for us. That we have a God that has already done good things for us and is worthy of being thanked. It can give us perspective if we start here by focusing in on God. Because further on, verse 5, it says, For he is good. A foundation of thankfulness in God acknowledges also that God is good. There are many things you might eat today that you think aren't good. You may have a few things that you dread every single year. I cannot touch that. Maybe because of the person that made it, you just know the source. But there's nothing bad about what God provides for us. God is foundationally good. And I think we even forget this sometimes because of the noise of this world. We forget that we have a God that is good. 
Because if, it's not hard to look around, especially this week, and see all of the bad. And see all of the ways that things are messed up. The tragedies that are happening. Is it any wonder that people struggle with this idea that God is good? And why would he be thankful if I don't get this right to begin with? It's hard sometimes when that foundation is messed up. When that foundation isn't something that can be built upon. And so maybe today is a day where you can stop for a moment and pause and acknowledge that God is good. Begin anew with that. Rebuild the foundation of your faith that allows for God to be worthy of our thanks. Because how we see God and how we talk to God truly does matter. Maybe this is where a lot of you are stuck right now in your prayer life, or maybe some of you have been stuck here for years. Where most of our prayers, when we talk to God, most of the time we are, when we give our words to God, it is in the form of please, and that's intentionally without the E on the end of it, so you know which word I'm talking about. Most of our prayers consist in large part and in huge percentage of gimmies and I needs. And the holiday we're like fast forwarding to already has taught us that from an early age where we developed our Christmas list. We develop all the things we need, we want. When I was a kid, it was opening up the Sears catalog and circling the different things in the toy section that I wanted and leaving it creatively around the house for my mom to see. We're conditioned from an early age to have needs and wants and real expectations for those things. On the flip side of it, when we go to God, it's because things are really not good. And we go to God because we have true needs in our life. And those are important things to go to God with. God says, bring it all to me. But if this is all that our conversation with God looks like, It's missing the fullness of what God really truly wants us to experience with him. I mean, imagine if you are a parent right now or if you've been a kid. Imagine if the only time your kids come to you is when they need something. Maybe right now that's like an everyday occurrence. Like the only conversation you have with your children is, I need some more lunch money. I need a sweatshirt for school. I need this or that. Now, there are children in the room with me right now that that's not their thing. All right? Sometimes at least. But that's often how those interactions between parent and kid go. And as a parent, that can feel exhausting. Now, here's the beautiful part about God. I'm not equating this. Because God never gets exhausted with us. God never comes to us and says, man, I'm tired of hearing from you. (laughs) This has got to stop. No. No. But there's a fullness in relationship with God that we miss when all that our conversation consists of is the things that we need. So when we start to bring thankfulness back into our prayer conversation, when we start to bring thankfulness back into our interactions, when we start to bring thankfulness back into our habits, 
it does something really remarkable. It can do some rewiring in us that God desperately wants to do. And the best part about it is that God gives us the language of how to be thankful in the Psalms. I chose Psalm 100 today, but if you just Google Psalms of Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving in Psalms or Thanks in Psalms, you'll come up with a multitude of them and places where God has gifted us language through the writers of the Psalms of how to say thanks for all that he has done. So if we're wondering, where do I even start with this? Maybe it's starting and looking back in the, in the Psalms. And we need to be thankful. Because here's another really important part. There's a Mayo study done a couple of years ago that talked about how expressing gratitude is associated with a host of mental and physical benefits. Being thankful can improve sleep, mood, immunity. Gratitude can also decrease depression, anxiety, and difficulties with chronic pain and risk of disease. There's some health benefits to developing a posture of thankfulness that go beyond just acknowledging that we're thankful for things. Being positive just in general helps our heart. It helps soften the edge that we too often carry around with us. And it also gives other people permission to be thankful as well. When we develop a posture of thankfulness, it becomes contagious. And you might find other people being thankful in return. One of the other things that I get to do quite often when I'm not around here, this is a fun thing that I've done for several years, I referee high school basketball. There's not a lot of thankfulness, often, <laughs> from fans. But one of the great joys that I'm having right now in this season again is that my, one of my 18-year-olds, I have two of them, one of them is refereeing with me on Sunday afternoons uh, in third grade basketball. And it's an absolute joy to do this. And we have a lot of fun. And I like to stop and, you know, if I'm going to call, if I blow a whistle, because whistles just equate to shame, don't they? Like when you have a whistle blown, it's like, oh, what did I do wrong? Well, you did do something wrong, but let me help you understand how to maybe do it right next time. I like to coach the kids while I'm refereeing. I just think it's an important thing. Not everybody does it. I just choose to do it. And last weekend, there was a coach that came up to us and said thank you afterwards. That doesn't happen all that often. But I looked at my son Noah, talk about leaving a legacy of thankfulness. I looked at him and I said, that's why we do this the way that we do it. Is it because it matters to people how we interact with them. It matters to people how we treat them. If you bring gratitude and kindness into relationships that you have, it's going to be hard for it not to come back and return. Somebody's going to have to really consciously choose to continue to be a jerk. If all you're bringing is kindness, gratitude, and thankfulness into that relationship. That's the foundational legacy that we can leave when we develop this posture of being thankful. Of starting with what is good. In our language with God, what if we started our prayers by being thankful first and foremost? Now on Thanksgiving, 
That often happens by default because we do it. In fact, for many people, this is the one time of the year that they actually say grace for a meal. A prayer of thanksgiving. Where they actually stop to say thank you to God. Because too often there are other days of the year we're so busy doing so many other things we don't have time to stop for it. But for this particular day, which I absolutely love about it, we're forced in a way to contemplate with our family what this means. What if that extended beyond a day of thanksgiving into other days where we started with the foundation of, God, man, this is great. I want to thank you for this unseasonably warm weather that we're having right now. They remind us that, God, you're the God of this world. There's ways that we can go to God with thankfulness. That sets our heart on a right path. But lest I forget that there's things going on that aren't always that good. There's a side of thankfulness that we often forget as well. It's easy to be thankful for the things that are going well. It's easy to be thankful for a team like the Cowboys that's really good this year. It's a little harder to be thankful for a team like the Denver Broncos, which aren't so good this year at all. They're terrible. Like, I can't even watch them right now. So what do we do with the things that aren't so screaming out thankfulness in this world, those things that don't go well? Can we be thankful I mean, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but I want you to really think about it. Can we be thankful for things that don't go well? Can we be thankful for the things that maybe hurt us a bit? Can we find a way to be thankful for the things that feel defeating in life? The Apostle Paul had a great passage at the beginning of Romans that talks about this very thing where he says we can rejoice too... When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. We can also be thankful in times when things aren't rosy and warm fuzzy and all good. And it's important to be thankful in those moments as well. Because a lot of those things teach us something, not only about ourselves, but also about our circumstances, and also about God. God isn't just with us when things are going well. God is with us at all times. And God wants good things for us. And sometimes God can use the things that aren't as good in our lives to grow us in a way that help us down the road. Even illness sometimes can be something that we can be thankful for with God. Now I want to be very careful on that because there are some illnesses out there that I absolutely do not like at all. But just because I personally don't like them does not mean that God can't be glorified in the ways that we walk through them. 
Unfortunately, in my ministry life, I've walked alongside some really terrible, awful, no good things with people. And I've seen some joy in those people that can only come from God based on what they are facing. A posture of thankfulness has to also consider the fact that things aren't always going to feel good. But yeah, we have to go back to that foundational stuff. God is God. And God is good. Even in spite of the things we might find ourselves in, we have a God that is good. Even in spite of some of the family we may have to hang out with today that, let's face it, once a year is enough. We still have to be thankful. Maybe family has been redefined for you over the years. And you found family in forms you didn't think of before. There's a thankfulness in that. And we learn and grow through all of the different circumstances that life can throw at us to help us better understand that God is good. Because otherwise, we're just that person. Otherwise, it's just festivus every single day. And maybe you know people like this, that they've got a lot of problems with people and they're not afraid to tell you about them. I just can't imagine how exhausting it must be being angry and upset all the time. And how that some people, that just seems to be their thing. There's nothing that seems to satisfy them. There is no foundation of thankfulness in people that have this as their, their foundation. There's a hurt there that's deep. There's something inside of them that is keeping them from that full understanding of God in their lives. And maybe they've just throwing the hand up at God and said, God, nah, we're done. And is it any wonder they struggle then with this idea of thankfulness? Because there's nothing truly to be thankful for in some people's opinions. That kid in the clip from Groundhog Day, you never thank me. Maybe I'll be here tomorrow. Maybe not. This idea that there's never a thank you for the things that we do. Because some people just don't know gratitude. Maybe it wasn't modeled for them. Maybe there's a part of their story that is so painful that it's hard to see the world through a thankful lens. That's where it's even more important for us as people of God to bring thankfulness into the relationships that we have. Because being thankful helps us see the world differently. It does. When we focus our hearts on gratitude, like I said, we can see even the tough things of this life through a completely different lens. We focus on the fact that God is good. We can begin to see those in our lives that maybe we don't think are any good in a way that God sees them. Beloved, fearfully and wonderfully made. I talked early in this message about this idea of starting today with a rewiring of our hearts. And maybe that's where some of you find yourselves right now. Maybe it's finding a way 
to rediscover thankfulness. And I believe it's no accident we're in this Ten Commandments series right now through our weekends. And I would encourage you, if you haven't caught up on those yet, to go back and dive into them a bit over this holiday weekend. Because there's two relational components to the commandments. The first one is our relationship between us and God. And the second one is our relationship to one another. It's hard for this relationship with one another to be one of gratitude when this one's out of alignment. So like I said, leaving this legacy of thankfulness, leaving or developing this posture of gratitude has to begin with God. And it would say later on in that letter to the Romans that if we do that, God can change the way we think. God can change the way we see other people. And at the end of that Psalm 100, it talks about God's unfailing love for us. So if you've been keeping score, we've had Groundhog Day, Thanksgiving, a little bit of Christmas, and now we hit Easter. You don't have to look any further than the meal that Jesus shared with his friends to know that we have something to be thankful for. That's the foundational stuff I'm talking about. It's a foundation that says you are loved this much. That we get to eat turkey today. We get to eat mashed potatoes and gravy. By the way, it's all guilt-free today. I declare that. I have no authority to do that, but I just thought I'd say it. Today is a day to be thankful because of what God has done. Because of what God has done, we get to be thankful. So I want you to stand right now as we share in this meal and these words right now that are important to us. Because it was in the night in which he was betrayed that our Lord Jesus took bread. He broke it and gave it to his disciples to eat, saying, This is my body, which is given for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. And then again, after supper, he took the cup, and when he given thanks, he gave it to all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And let us join together in our table grace that we say before this meal, which is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I invite you to be seated. A couple of words of instruction about the meal. Because every Thanksgiving meal comes with instruction, right? Uh, The ushers will direct you uh, in a moment to the station nearest you. 
where you'll get a piece of the bread, uh, which you can eat, and then a little cup of either wine or grape juice. The grape juice is the lighter colored liquid, if that's what you are looking for. If you are a gluten-free person, just know that today our gluten-free station is at station number one, up here to my right, to your left. Uh, Just let the usher know that's where you're headed, if that's something that you need for today. And I invite you to give thanks to God as you're coming up for this. Be thankful that God did this for us and that we then get to go out and be thankful for the many blessings that God has bestowed on us. Amen? Come and eat.